Hello, I am Emma Van Aysen, Scientific Affairs Manager at Colgate. Welcome to today's podcast from Colgate on the theme of mentorship. One of the advantages of mentorship is not losing the benefit of experience, but rather passing it on as one of the principles of leadership. Today we have two great guests who together capture this philosophy. Barry Cockcroft, a mentor and former GDP and Chief Dental Officer for England, along with Yoande Adewoli, a young dentist who qualified in 2020. So without further ado, I'll pass on to Yoande. Hello, Barry. How are you today? Um, very well, thank you, Yoande. Good to see you again. Good to see you as well. Um, I'm very excited for this podcast. Um, I think it's quite good to talk about mentorship um, as a lot of young dentists are sort of wondering how to transition and get a mentor. So before we get into the questions, I thought it would be good for you just to talk a bit about how you got into dentistry um, and just so the audience can get a bit of an insight into how you got to where you are today. How I got into dentistry is quite interesting. Um, I'd always wanted to be a vet from about the age of seven or eight and I'd always wanted to be a vet yeah and right I applied to veterinary school and got my A-levels but in the last year I'd gone off it I'd spent some work time with a vet in Bolton where I lived and he was totally disillusioned with veterinary practice and it really put me off so I took a year out worked actually in a foundry which was great for putting your life in perspective, you know, the work was hard, dirty, poorly paid and very boring (laughs) and took a year to decide what to do. And I knew I'd got the A-levels and dentistry appealed because it was practical and you could make a a real difference. So in many ways, slightly accidental, but never regretted it. And I've been incredibly lucky throughout my career to have worked with some great people right from when I was first in practice to being at the BDA and then being in the Department of Health and beyond. So I think having being a CDO, I think having spent 25 years working in general practice was a massive advantage because you've got an understanding of the challenges people face in practice. That's really good. Was CDO always part of the plan or was it? No, not not at all. And it's interesting, actually, mentoring plays – mentoring can be sort of official mentoring or just sort of guidance if you see what I mean and I've worked with some great people and probably the greatest mentor in my career was Dame Margaret Seward and it wasn't until Dame Margaret took an interest in our PDS piloting that the concept of ever working in government never mind being chief dental officer ever actually um, occurred to me Dame Margaret um, got very involved in my career And I'd like to say encouraged me to apply for the deputy job when it became available. But for anybody who knows Dame Margaret, Dame Margaret doesn't encourage. She, well, she did. She sadly passed away this year, but she didn't encourage you. She positively demanded, you know, resisting Dame Dame Margaret was almost impossible. And uh, but she was a huge mentor. So she didn't push you into something that you didn't want to do, which is not what mentoring is about. She just saw something there and tried to develop it. And I think I owe a huge, huge gratitude to Dame Margaret. And the great thing about mentors is that they're with you forever. So Dame Margaret, she pushed me into applying for the deputy job when it became available. She stayed a confident while I was working at the Department of Health and remained a friend um, until she passed away. Um, Going to a funeral was um, quite emotional. 
I think we all need a Dame Margaret in our lives. That's that's really insightful. How how would you how did you find her as a mentor? Was it did you always know her? Like how how would you tell someone to find a mentor? Because it can be quite difficult. Yeah, I think there's two aspects to mentoring. There is sort of formal mentoring. So there are lots of mentorship schemes around. I'm involved with the Alumni Leadership Mentoring Programme at Birmingham University. That's very formal. But all through your career, people actually are mentors, although you don't call them mentors. So the first practice I was in with John Mander in Coventry, John was brilliant. Uh, It taught me a whole load about practice. And I worked with some great, great people. And then... um, when I was at the BDA, uh, Linda Wallace was fantastic. And I learned more from Linda than almost anybody else at the BDA. She was brilliant. But it wasn't formal mentoring. But Dame Margaret just sort of, we, I was involved with PDS piloting and Dame Margaret was trying to change the way dentistry was provided. And we, we, we sort of came together. And, and then she just, the mentor actually took an interest and, and Margaret was just brilliant. And like I say, um, she carried on sharing that interest throughout my career and she was brilliantly helpful. So essentially, sometimes you can have mentors, but it doesn't have to be formally sort of say, you're my mentor, you're my mentee. It's just somebody that kind of supports you along the way. Yeah, um, I think there are more formal mentoring schemes around. Now, one of the greatest things, you know, from the Birmingham scheme is that at least one of my the people I mentored on that scheme is now a member of Dental Mentors herself. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's really, really great. I feel fantastic about that, that she's actually taking the experience of being mentored herself and she's now in practice herself and she's actually using that to be another mentor. So I think that's great. So there is formal mentoring and yeah. there is informal mentoring. it's about learning from experience yeah I think a lot of young dentists as well we do have like sort of formal mentoring where we graduate and then we have our foundation year and we have like supervisors who are our formal mentors but then along the way I've sort of gone to conferences and events and met people that you know even though I haven't said you're my mentor you can see that they have an interest in you and, you know, you can go to them, someone that you feel comfortable with, essentially. Yeah, I think I I was incredibly lucky. I mean, when when I graduated, there was no vocational training or foundation training. And I'd worked in hospital for a year and then went straight into practice. So John uh, was the principal of the practice I went to work in. And he he was a bit like a foundation training, you know, trainer, (laughs) even before the scheme was there. And it was great and and it worked um, it worked really well. And he was the first person who, because t- we had lots of what you might call disagreements we, and everybody has disagreements. That's, that's not a problem. And yes. John said then that actually some of those disagreements changed the way he ran the practice in a certain way. So he was responding to what I was saying as somebody he was mentoring sort of thing. And since I've been involved with the Birmingham scheme and lot, it goes across the whole university, it's not just dental, but all the mentors say that they get as much out of mentoring as the people being mentored get as well. And it's abs- it's an absolute privilege to be involved, really, with formal mentoring. Well, that's really good. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you both benefit. It's not just a one-way system. Yeah, it's absolutely not one way. And across the whole mentoring scheme at Birmingham, all the mentors say, you know, they enjoy it so much. You know, meeting, it keeps you in touch with younger people. Younger people on the whole are quite... They're dynamic, they're inspiring. And the great thing is they don't have that cynicism that seems to sadly 
you know, developing people once they graduate and get out into the real world. And I think that's that's quite sad, really. But they're they're really idealistic and it's just lovely to be involved. Yeah. So what would you tell someone who's tried to find a mentor, but they sort of failed? They haven't found one and they're, they're trying, but they just find it really difficult. Well, I think, like I said, there are now formal mentoring organisation so you can just look on on the internet and find that and the other thing is I've always said to people early in your career find people that you trust whose values you trust who you can talk honestly and open to Mm. and ask them you know if there's somebody that they know that it would be good for you to actually talk to but you will normally find in your career that you find people that you relate to very easily and you can discuss with. I'm, sh- I'm sure you've found that already in your career, that you meet yeah. people that you can discuss with and, and, and talk openly about. And I think yeah. that's the other thing. A mentoring arrangement has to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, whether you're having problems, whether you're not enjoying it, whether you don't feel it's being rewarding enough, be complete. I mean, you should always be completely honest through your career. It, it makes you, gives you a better career. And it's easier to cope with criticism if you're being honest. But always be honest with your mentor. If you don't agree with something they say, say so. And that's throughout life, actually. I think it's, it's really important to be able to speak to people that you agree with. And it's really important to be able to speak to people that you disagree with as well. Yeah, I, can... I think there are, there are lots of people out there who can find you a mentor if you want them. No, that, that's true. There's there's so much out there and I think you just have to go and search for it and look for it yeah. and it's not just going to kind of fall on your lap. Some people get really lucky and they just find things by chance, but you have to go out there and look. Um, another question I was going to say, can you only have one mentor or do you think you can have multiple men- mentors? Well, I, I, I think there's absolutely no reason you should only have one. Um, I mean, different people have skills in different areas and, and dentistry is very multifaceted. You know, some people who are wonderful and knowledgeable about public health or education might not understand how the business of dentistry really works and things like that. You know, and some people who've got, um, I'm not a great believer in this massive division between the NHS and the private sector. I think a lot of the challenges are very similar. Um, but, you know, the, the businesses are different. So, you know, you might have somebody, you know, who's very knowledgeable about one or very, very knowledgeable about the other. So I think absolutely no reason at all that you shouldn't have two or three mentors. Certainly throughout my career, I mean, I stayed in touch with Margaret. I stayed in touch with Linda until she left the BDA and retired. And John, I stayed in touch with for a long time after I left his practice and went to be a principal in my own. Um, But uh, I think there's no reason at all to stick just with one mentor. No, I completely agree. So during my foundation year, my two educational supervisors, um, I'll give them a shout out, Dr. Sarita Fote and Dr. Raymond Hardy. They were really brilliant in helping me. I was lucky to have two because sometimes you only get one. Um, Mm. And they were both quite different. So Sarita was a bit more, she was just very subtle in her approach. And she, um, but Raymond would definitely do like, no, this is wrong. But he would do it in like a nice way. Um, (laughs) So it's good to have like people that are not similar um, because you can go to one for something and you know, they'll say, they'll give you an advice in a different way. um, And you just, you just kind of take it on the chin, but you know that they want the best for you. Um, And that's what the world is like really is is different people have different ways of dealing with people and relating to people. And some people are very in your face. And some people, like you say, are very subtle and very quiet. And actually, you know, if you're a clinician, patients are like that too. So actually dealing with that sort of difference, different approach is really important. Yeah. And 
in this day and age, I know a lot of young dentists tell me that they have mentors on, on Instagram that they don't even know that they're their mentor because people are posting their cases um, and sharing their dentistry. It's very um, visible for people to see. So there's some people out there, they don't even know that they're sort of, you're helping someone by sharing um, your work online. I think social media has played a huge part in mentorship. There are people that I follow and I'm like, wow, like I love your work. And I haven't actually told them, but I, I follow I follow them and, you know, watch. Yeah, I, I think post, posting the work on, you know, clinically on obviously, obviously you always need to get patient permission to do that. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things is I found in life is that you learn more when things go wrong um, than you do when things go right. And it's it's much more common that people will post a brilliant clinical case and sort of, you know, this is wonderful and didn't I do well. In actual fact, yeah. you might learn better more if they put a picture up of something that went badly wrong because we're all clinicians. Everybody makes mistakes. And the trick about a mistake, everybody makes mistakes, is not to repeat it. So actually posting a mistake and saying this is the mistake I made and this is how I'm not going to repeat it is just as important. And I think it's one of the sad things, you know, I, I know you're very into social media, you know I'm not. Um, although I think it's really, really important now. We've got to accept it's a very important facet of the world. Yeah. But people tend to post the good stuff and tend to keep back you know, the bad stuff. You know, people don't have a perfect life. Nobody has a perfect life. Oh, yeah. And it can make people feel very, hate to say, inadequate in some ways. And it's the same with clinicians. These are absolutely top-notch clinicians have mistakes and that you have to learn from them. And that's the really important thing. And I think that's part of mentoring. You know, from my experience, I know that, you know, most clinicians do a really, really good job most of the time, but occasionally things go wrong. So you you just need to explain to people how to handle it when things go wrong. And that's just as important. I completely agree. You literally, you learn so much from failures. And yeah, I think in this day and age, mental health is, really important I think social media you know it has its good and it has its bad and I think you know a lot of people are trying to talk more about their failures um and hopefully that can be something that can continue because it really yeah. does does help um yeah, I, remember, I think sharing failure is really important I remember when when we had our children my wife joined the National Childbirth Trust and they used to have coffee mornings and things and it was great because they all of these people who'd got new babies at some point in the last three or four months have been reduced to tears by their children, oh, wow. you know, by their babies, because there's nobody who's had a baby who's not been reduced to tears by their baby at some point. And you don't put that on Instagram. Well, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps you tend to more these days, and that's a good thing. But yeah. it's, you know, I remember, you know, having the group around you to support you, to say that you're not the only person in this situation. You know, things have gone wrong. Things have gone wrong for yeah. all of us. Just, you know, you're not a failure because things have gone wrong. It's normal. I completely resonate with that because I actually posted my failure of not getting into dental school first time. That's why I started my YouTube channel in the first place. And that's what's helped me get my sort of mentees. I help people get into dental school now because I shared that and because they realised that, okay, look, if I even if I don't get into dental school the first time, I can try again. And Yuande tried again and she's now a dentist. So... Mm. That really did help. And I, I get so much joy from helping people getting to dental school because I just know how it felt. So, yeah, no, I think that's a really important point about failures because sharing your failures, mm. so many people can learn from it. 
Yeah, um, I think what you just said is, is, is what mentoring's about. You said you get so much joy from helping people. And that's what, that's what mentoring's about from, from my perspective as well, is that, I hate to say, as you get older, as you mature, you know, you, you get a lot of reward from putting something back to making a difference. And mentoring younger people enables you to, to make a difference, to put something back. And it's, it's, it's a joy to do it. It really is a joy to do it. And, yeah. you know, I, I really enjoy it. Oh, so would you say there's like an effective strategy per se for getting the most out of a mentor? I think the, the first we when I get my mentor from the Birmingham program, we have a first meeting mm. and I, I set out some principles mm. of it's about leadership. First of all, the Birmingham scheme is about leadership. So, but dentists are involved in leadership no matter what they do. I mean, you're involved in leadership if you're chief dental officer. You're involved in you're, in, you're involved in leadership if you're in a in your surgery and you've got a nurse and a, a team working with you. So you will be inevitably involved in leadership, and the, and the principles are absolutely the same. But I usually take a I have a notepad, and, and at the top of my notepad, I, I I write the word listen when 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 I start. So the first thing I do, I, we introduce ourselves and we talk and I ask we have a bit of a chat and we get to know each other and you know, as quickly as we can. But then I say, what do you want out of this? And, mm. and it's really quite funny, actually, because what different people want is actually quite different. So it's not me telling them what I want to tell them. It's me listening to them, what they want to get out of the mentoring arrangement, what concerns they have. And then you sort of make it bespoke to that person, although there are some generic principles that, you know, run underneath. I always say, you know, as a clinician, you should always do what's right for the patient. If you do what's right for the patient, you should not come into trouble. If, you know, if you're a, if if you've got into the position of, of CDO or the BDA or on an LDC or a dental professional network or something like that, do the right thing. Yeah. Because if you do the right thing, you can always take criticism. If you if you're not doing the right thing, then coping with criticism is much more difficult. Yeah, you know, I remember when we introduced HTML 105 a long time ago, we got a lot of criticism. Oh, wow. it, certainly, it certainly stood the test of time. Yeah. It, it never bothered me, the criticism, because I knew we were doing the right thing. If I was not confident that we were doing the right thing, then it would have been much more difficult. And I think that's, that's a sort of principle that I try to get out in my, in my mentoring arrangement. Well, it was worthwhile because... I think I told you before, in uni, we had to learn all about the HTML5 and delivering better oral health. So everything that you've implemented, even though it's going to get criticism at first, you just have to, if you feel it's right, like you said, persist. Um, and yeah. it definitely stands the, the test of time. So that, that's really good. Would you say that, you know, with mentors, would you have to be in contact with them every single day? Or is it, you know? Mm. No, you couldn't possibly do that. that, that that's almost like stalking. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 you know, it, it depends on, on first of all, what what the person being mentored wants. First of all, yeah. Um, but we, we in in the Birmingham scheme, we keep in touch and we meet. It's, obviously, it's been difficult over the last couple of years. But in a normal year, we would meet face to face in Birmingham five or six times during the year and have quite a long conversation about various things. And I also, the other thing about mentors is mentors have usually got connections. Mm. So what I do, you know, I meet and we talk and we sometimes we have Zoom calls and things like that. 
but also, you know, you, you automatically know if you've been in your career for a long time, other people. So I find other people for my mentees to spend a day with or to spend half a day with and to yeah. talk to them. So they don't just get my views as, as a mentor. They get the views of other people who've got into various positions and, you know, like dental public health people, like people who are in the business, like people who are in education, like people who work for the indemnity societies. Yeah. And they've all got a sort of slightly different perspective on the profession and the way it works. But yeah. Getting this breadth of understanding at a young level of how the profession works is really important. And they, they all find that really good. And helpfully, I mean, some of these connections are much younger than me mm. and they're, they're of a similar generation or perhaps one generation up from the men, to, you know, the person being mentored, not, not two generations as I am. Yeah. And, and I think they, they, they enjoy that as well. No, I agree. Like, for example, on my end, my, like, I'm in contact with one of my mentors, my, my principal currently every single day, um, and I can show him my work and he replies. So that's different from, you know, my foundation ment trainers that I had before that I don't speak to every day now, but I know mm. that if I were to send them a question or ask for help, I know that they'd still be there. So I think it can change as your position in life changes and you know there's some dentists that I've asked can I come and shadow you so I think to young dentists just don't be afraid to reach out so I went to, to Birmingham to shadow um, Dr Amit and he just invited me in and it was really nice and even though it was just for one day I learned so much um, and I think people have this sort of idea that a mentor you have to sort of talk them every single day um, but you just you know whatever you like you said whatever you want to get out of whether you know say you're interested in restorative or whatever part of dentistry you're interested in reach out to the person and see if yeah. they, they they'd have you for a day and I'm sure I think you know at the end of the day dentists we went into dentistry to help people I like to think so I think a lot of dentists they do have a good heart and they would say yes you can come and watch me or they'll answer your questions so don't yeah. don't feel scared of doing that because I think a lot of people are apprehensive about reaching out to someone yeah. especially someone that you, yeah I think what you just said is an example of a really good mentoring relationship but you don't feel uncomfortable going back to them after you've moved on to get advice because you know in my, in my experience a mentoring relationship the, the thing I do for Birmingham is a year you know it, you have a mentor for a year and then you get a, you get a mentee for a year and then you get another mentor mentee the next year but actually Many of the mentees have been in contact a year or two years later to ask a question or something like that as they develop their career. And that's, that means that the relationship has developed and, it, and, it, and it's worthwhile and it's really, really good. Yeah. And as a mentee, how do you assess which feedback is like legitimate? So, you know, sometimes people can say stuff to you and they mean it with their best intentions, but then you don't agree. But then how do you assess whether to take on the feedback that they've given to you or, you know, to just go with your gut? I don't know. Like, say there's like a disagreement between a mentor and a mentee. How would you discern whether to, you know, take on their advice or if, go with your, what you think? <laughs> oh, I, I think at the end of the day, you should always make your own decisions. Uh, I, th I think if you, it, it's about doing what you don't think is right. And I think... You know, if somebody says something that you don't agree with, discuss it. I think it's really important when you when you get into a any sort of position, actually, is to listen to the people who disagree with you just as much as you listen to the people who agree with you. 
And I think that that's really, really important. And this ability to discuss things with people you disagree with without losing losing your temper or yeah. you know, walking away or something like that is really, really important, you know, and, and, and it stays with you throughout your career, I would hope. Certainly, you know, when I was in post as CDO, you know, I had lots and lots of conversations with people who disagreed with, you know, because lots of people disagreed with what we were doing around local commissioning. Mm. Um, and, but there was a reason for doing it at the time, which was very valid. Um, and and be, being there to actually discuss it was was really really important. So yeah, I mean you should always listen to people you agree with. You should always listen to people you disagree with. Take it on board. Yeah. But ultimately, you make your own decision. That's true. That's Never true. let somebody else make your decision for you. I mean that is. I remember my when I decided not to go to veterinary school uh, and to take a year out. I told my father, and he said great if you're doing the right thing but please let me know when you're telling your mother so I will be out because (laughs) my mother went ballistic because she had this very structured you know she thought I was going to go to do veterinary school become a vet do this do this do this do this and I was actually changing it so it was the right thing to do my dad was very supportive but uh, it was a delicate well it wasn't a delicate conversation with the mother it was quite strident Um, but I'd, I'd made the decision and that was it. Luckily enough, I'd written to Liverpool and told them I wasn't taking up the place before I actually told my mum. Oh, did you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, how, how did she react in the end? Uh, in the end, she was fine. But yeah. it, it, took, it, it, it took a few weeks for her to calm down. Mm. Um, I think the, the fact that I got a job and went and worked in a foundry... Um, it meant I wasn't, I didn't spend that year lounging around at home, getting under people's feet and not doing anything. I actually went out and worked. Yeah. Um, and I think once I started doing that, she sort of appreciated it a bit more. And interestingly, I think working in that environment helped me throughout my career because, you know, it made me realise how privileged I was to be a dentist. I don't think, I was talking to my mentee um, this year and I said, it's a great privilege to be a dentist. Yeah. You know, but you've worked hard to get there as well. So people don't realise how hard you have to work to actually get there. So it is a privilege, but it's a privilege you've earned. It's not a privilege that somebody's just given to you. You know, particularly because you had to apply, you know, you, you had to apply twice and how hard it can be. Um, so it is a privilege, but it's not given to you. It's something you've earned. Yeah, I agree. We all work really hard um, and... Mm. With what you've just said about, you know, listening to your mentor's advice, but making your own decision, I think that's really important because when I had to make that decision about whether, you know, I had to apply again or take a year out, it was really hard because in one year I had people telling me, no, just go to uni. Everyone's going to uni this year. Go and do biomed or something like that. And I'm thinking, yeah. And then the other year I had people saying, no, take a year out. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you never know unless you try and I just had these conflicting um, ideas and I just, I was really stuck. Sometimes it feels like when you have two people telling you different things, you can feel really stuck in what to do. Mm-hmm. And I just had to say, you know what, I'm going to make my own decision. Yeah. Whatever feels right, feels right. And whatever happens, happens. And I think that's always, the one that you decide is always the one that kind of works out. <laughs> it's what's meant to be. I think a good mentor will always tell you to make your own decisions. He yeah. will give you support. She will give you support. Um, but at the end of the day, they'll say, you make your own decisions. I think the other thing about 
certainly if you're an older mentor like myself, the, the one thing, because you live in this world now and people tend to think the world's always been like it is now, but actually mentors with experience, the one thing I say to, to the people I work with is that change is going to happen during, during your career. And it's absolutely essential that you see that change is happening and, and work with it, you know, because your career now mm. will be very different to how somebody graduating in 35 years will be because the challenges and the needs and the treatments that are available for patients will be completely different. You know, yeah. if I, when, when I graduated, 40% of the adult population was edentulous <laughs> and there's a reason for that. Yeah. And we had to do, we had to make 12 sets of full dentures before we could graduate. Whereas in Birmingham at the moment, you'd be pretty <laughs> hard, to, hard pushed to find 12 full, full denture cases to do before you yeah. graduated. That's real, very a real big, A real big challenge. Everything's changing um, around you. Um, one thing I was going to say, do you think, because there might be some people listening to this saying, okay, I don't have a mentor, but I think that I can make my own decision and I'll be fine. Do you think you can still be successful without a mentor? Is it essential? It's not essential. Mm. I think it's wise. Um I think if you, yeah, I mean, and it depends on personality and there are lots of different people and there are some people who, you know, think, who are very, very self-confident mm. um, and, and I think, you know, that, that's not a problem. Um, but my view is it's always wise to have people that you can discuss things with. And one, one of the things I would say to my, you know, in the thing I do at Birmingham is based on leadership and I say one of the, prime requirements for a good leader is to be confident mm. but what you shouldn't be is arrogant yeah and there is a very very big difference between confidence and arrogance and confidence is a good thing if it's well informed arrogance means you don't listen to people with different views and that's very 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 dangerous yeah i agree i think there are you know some dentists that can be a bit like I know everything and not willing to take on what people say and I've seen that in like some dentist groups but it's not it's not a good attitude because you of course we're all well educated but at the same time we can all learn from each other and I think what you said is really important not to be arrogant and feel like you know everything because the minute you stop learning it's just like yeah it's, it's what I said very early on I talked about making mistakes and if somebody tells you they've never made a mistake in their career or in their life, they're not telling the truth, you know, because there's nobody, nobody who's never made a mistake. No. Um, <laughs> if, if you think yourself you've not made a mistake, then you're probably self-delusional. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> no, we've all made mistakes. Whether we tell people about them or not, that's a different story, but we've all made mistakes. Um, if you tell people that you've made a mistake, I've always, you know... You know, one of the first things you'll almost find is the person will say, God, I did something else. And then it, people just open up. I remember yeah. when, I was, when I was working in practice, and it's a long, we used to do GAs in practice. And, you know, we, did a ref, we had GA referrals, two sessions a week. And I took the wrong tooth out for somebody. It was very, um, it, it was quite a hairy GA session. Mm. And, you know, I just went away and I, Made, made this mistake and I went and told the child's mother and explained why it had happened and everything, it worked out fine. Yeah. And I rang the, medic, the indemnity society and said what had happened. And I was convinced that I was going to be 
sued because of this. But because I, you know, I went straight to the parent, explained what had happened, why it had happened, it was, a, and how we were going to put things right, and it was fine. And it was just being open and honest with people and resolving it and sorting it out. But I spoke to the indemnity you know, company and they said, oh, he said, you're, you're the second person today who's done that. You know, it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was it quite shocked me, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, but mistakes do happen, sadly. And that, um, one of the ways our society tends not to tolerate mistakes in a way perhaps we used to, you know, it, it, it's quite sad, really. No, I, I agree. I think, you know, we will have to, like you said, it's like a can of worms. What would you tell someone you've made a mistake? They, they say, oh, I've made a mistake. And it's, mm. it's all very reassuring because you just realise you're not alone. <laughs> um, yeah. I think especially people try, like we've touched on before with social media, everyone can make themselves seem like they have the most perfect life and they don't make any mistakes. But I think, like you said, it's really important to share that, whether it's with a mentor or even just with your, you know, someone you, you trust. You know, the, the definition of a mentor is quite, you know, is quite tricky, actually. I mean, it, it could just be somebody who you work with, who you get on with, and who you can share things with. And in some ways, that, that's a mentoring relationship. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't have to be A is mentor, B is mm. the person being mentored, and it's very formal. It, it can yeah. be a relationship with somebody you can... Mentoring just means you can discuss somebody. Yeah, something I agree. Somebody. I'm fortunate to be in a practice where I have a lot of associates around me that, you know, they do, they're very, you know, they're very helpful. So I can just pop next door and just say, oh, I've just had this day. This has just happened. And it's just a de-stressor and they can just, because they've had so many more years experience than me. They can say, oh, that's happened to me before. And I, I just feel so like reassured when they say that. So I think it's always important to, to speak to people about, you know, they have a few more years ahead of you because yeah. I think it's, done before. yeah, passing on. I think mentoring is about passing on experience. I mean, we learn more in life from experience, and yeah. basically, by having a mentor, it means you've got somebody else's experience that you can learn from. I remember um, we had a young um, dentist joined us in practice, and um, I was asked to pop in and help, and she was taking out a lower six, and almost in tears and was really struggling and I said what's going on I said I'm trying to take this lower six out and it won't come yeah. so I looked at the case and I looked at the forceps and looked at the patient and the patient seemed okay it was just taking a long time apparently so I just I said I'll have a little go I mean I'd, yeah. I'd done an old surgery house job so I was all right at sort of surgery so yeah. I just basically carried on doing the same thing that she was doing yeah. and the tooth just came out and she was really upset. And she said, oh, she said, I'm rubbish at this. I said, look, I said, you were doing exactly the right thing. Mm. All you've got to do is do it for a little bit longer, you know, and that comes with experience. Yeah. And I said to her at that stage, I said, you, she said, oh, I might give up dentistry. I'm no good. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, look, I said, don't set yourself impossible targets. That, that, yeah. that sort of skill comes with experience and it, it will come. And, you know, 30 years on, you know, I still know her. She's still in practice. She's very successful and very, very, very good. But it's about everything comes with experience at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of young dentists that I've spoken to, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves yeah. to be yeah. good really quickly. Um, and I think it's just, you know, you're setting really high targets for yourself and you're just one or two years qualified. I do that to myself, if I'm being honest. I think, oh, you and no, you're meant to be really good at this. And, you know, 
the minute my rubber dam didn't go on in like two seconds, I was beating myself up about it. I was like, no, it's yeah. meant to be quicker than this. But yeah. it takes time. And, you know, I've, now that I've, I do it regularly, it's like, oh, okay, I'm getting the hang of this now. Um, and I think we just should put le less pressure on ourselves, really. We've got enough stress from dentistry already. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And I think sometimes what you were saying, like people put cases, you know, on social media, but some of the people putting these cases on, you know, have been working in practice for 30 years and have got huge yeah. amounts of experience. You know, it, it takes time to get that experience. No, I agree. Um, and if you had to say, a sing what decision have you made that has given you the most success in your career, if you had to pick a decision? Ooh. Three things, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> buy one, get two free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the decision to go to the Department of Health uh, in 2002, you know, involved a very, very significant reduction in earnings, which for which my wife was incredibly supportive yeah. and actually worked out for me really well because I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think the when we we published Delivering Better Oral Health and it, it happened in 2007 and there was a huge amount of work went into getting to the first edition of Delivering Better Oral Health published. And within six months, all the major toothpaste manufacturing companies had changed the concentration of toothpaste for the very young from 440 parts per million mm. to 1,000 parts per million. Now, 440 parts per million was not effective in reducing caries no. and 1,000 parts per million is so, and that's, that's not only in England, that's around the world. Wow. So and I know that publishing, delivering better oral health led to that change in formulation of toothpaste for the very young. So the one thing um, that that will live on, you know, that will be, that will make a difference long, long, long after. Long live delivering better oral health. After I'm dead, you know, I mean, that, you know, that's, the, that's probably the outcome that I'm, most pleased with. And I think the other thing was that you, we talked earlier on about doing the right thing. And when we had funds to train some more dental students and dentistry had traditionally been taught in dental schools, which mm. is very ivory tower based. Mm. And we decided to put money into Plymouth and into UCLAN to develop dental training and outreach. And we were told by all the dental schools that this was a mistake, it could not be done, it would be a disaster, we were wasting our money. And, but we, myself and Peter Rubin, who chaired the group, who made this decision, that we both believed this was the right thing to do. And now it's been vindicated because obviously Plymouth and UCLAN are working very well and there's much more outreach teaching done uh, in the other dental schools. So I think being able to influence that yeah. was, was really, really, quite rewarding oh no that's great I'm a benefit of Peninsula Dental School so thank you for believing in that <laughs> because I, I I love Plymouth so that was a good idea <laughs> yes yeah we spent Peter and I spent we we having been told we made the decision and then having been told that it was going to be have a disastrous outcome both Peter and I spent many hours on trains to UCLAN and to Plymouth checking on the progress and it was really great to see it emerging and being successful because there was a lot of pers personal reputation hanging on this, you know. <laughs> oh, no, no, I think it, 
that was a good idea. And it's, it just goes with, you know, doing the right thing. You, you yeah. said, this is what I believe in and I'm going to do it. And now I think, you know, Plymouth, it's, I can only speak about Plymouth, but it's a fantastic dental school. So no, yeah. that was good. <laughs> and my final question, Barry, is if you could speak to your younger self, say you were in your first year of your dental career, you know, you don't, you know, you're, you're just fresh, like sort of like me really, what would you tell them knowing what you know now? Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do the right thing. Um, go your own way. Do what, you know, understand how the profession is going. Understand it's a patient-based profession. Understand how the needs of your patients are changing and do the best you can to deliver the right treatment for the right patients. And it's very different now because, you know, when I, when I graduated, you, you became an associate, you became a partner, you stayed in the practice for 40 years and then you retired. Mm. What you, you're very, in some ways very lucky now because dentists tend to have what we call portfolio careers. Yeah. So people will spend time, sometimes working in education, sometimes working in, in, in practice, sometimes working in salaried services, sometimes working in hospital. And I'm hoping that as things develop and we hopefully get flexible commissioning, more people will be doing more specialist work in practice. So I'd like to see that happening and that would develop greater careers for young, for young dentists. But I think, you know, do what you enjoy doing, work hard, try not to ever do anything just for the money, yeah. uh, but, you know, money will come. I mean, it, it's a well-paid profession and just, just recognise that it's a great career. And the other thing I always say to my, I don't know whether you do this or not, but the other thing I always say to the people I mentor at Birmingham is have an interest outside dentistry because don't become 24-7 dentists. You know, do something else. Get involved in uh, local theatre, get involved in dancing, get involved in sport, get involved in amateur dramatics. You know, I was, I was in round table and I was a magistrate and having that difference Having something different in your life makes it very makes it easier to cope with the stresses that inevitably come with being a dentist because it's very very hard work. You need a break from dentistry at some time to keep yourself sane, really. Yeah, I think that was brilliant. I think that was really good advice, and I agree. It's something that you know we should all take on. And I know I'll be listening back to this podcast because you know it was really, <laughs> it was really good chatting and. I want to just take a chance to just say thank you to my mentors that have helped me through my career from uni during my foundation year right up until now and I'm sure there's much more to go so thank you very much Barry that was really great thanks you Wanda pleasure as always to talk okay. <laughs> thank you both for your insightful and thought-provoking discussion I know that there was many hints and tips to inspire professionals thank you Barry and Yuande and thank you all for listening <laughs>